What's going on guys, my name is El De Niro and welcome to the highly anticipated, much requested solo review, the latest Star Wars spin-off movie. It's been in cinemas for like a week and a half I think and in this episode we are going to be discussing the finer plot details with complete spoilers so if you haven't seen it and you want it ruined for you, keep listening and if you don't want it ruined, go away, watch it, come back, listen to us. I'm joined today by Lucemore. Hello. And Santiago from the Weird With You podcast. Hey, how's it going? We're pretty much the Star Wars crew. Like, this is just what we do when a Star Wars movie comes out, so... Yeah, I like it. Yeah, me too. Um, So, I was thinking um, that we should start at the very start, because one of the things that kind of um, caught my eye uh, very Mm -hmm. early on was the way that there was no opening crawl, but they did kind of do an opening text to set the scene type thing. And I, I liked it. I have to say, I liked it a little bit better than the way that Rogue One started. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I actually think they spoon-fed you the information too much, and I think it was really cheesily written, the way it was like, growing up on the mean streets of Corellia that's ruled by mm, gangsters. Yeah. And, like, come on. Like The, you, the writing was bad. Yeah. But the, if you look at the opening crawls for the originals, the writing is terrible also. That's like, true, they, yeah. They, the writing for the crawl has never been good. It's just the crawl is iconic. Um, I thought if the writing had been a little bit... It only really needed one thing. It didn't need to keep popping up new paragraphs of text. Yeah. Uh, Did we like the way that the solo art thing like flew at the screen? That, that yes, was, like, yes. That I, was cool. Yeah. That was very cool. Really? Yeah, I like that less. Wow. It just made it feel like kind of comic booky, and I think... The, yeah, that, like the, I didn't mind. Yeah, I don't it, like. I, I like. I like the Marvel movies a lot, and that was kind of a little bit reminiscent of, of a Marvel movie. But you're also fully aware that you're about to watch like a, a cowboy space opera thing. Like I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think they gel together pretty well, especially when everything in Corellia was very gray or blue or orange, and mm-hmm. I think just the yellow font just looked very nice on it. I feel like I say yeah. that kind of thing in every review that I do. It looked great, but yeah, I think it looked nice. Yeah, I mean like it, it I feel I was very okay with the with the opening bit. Mm. Like it wasn't it wasn't great. Um like you said the writing was bad, mm. but uh, I don't know, there was something about the way that Rogue One started. I really liked actually one thing that I really liked about Rogue One the way that it started was that it was just like a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and then it was just like bam it mm. started that was great yeah but then when the title credit came in with the maybe it's just that I don't like the theme for Rogue One and that's why like it seems out of place whereas the music in this film actually seemed a lot more like I didn't notice it mm. and so I guess that's why it didn't bother me I, I mean, uh, should we talk about the movie? Is it does Star Wars need John Williams, or does it matter at this point? Yeah, it's a good question because honestly, the music in Rogue One didn't really hit me that hard, and the music in this only seemed to be apparent in the really intense scenes and and the. I really of, liked Enfys Nest's theme. I, I thought Enfys Nest's theme was really good. I can't even re- recall it at all. <laughs> it was the one that sounded like vaguely Indiana Jones-ish with like the chanting. Oh yeah, that was actually really yeah. You know what? That, yeah, it was that pretty was cool. Good. 
it that kind of set it into a real like Mad Maxi kind of thing as well because it's yes. it's very like tribal but like dangerous tribal. Yeah, yeah, I like the I like the way they they painted this movie like as a western, as a sort of like mm. it it was like a dystopian future, but in Star Wars, so where everything is kind of shitty, but they, they made Solo out to be like the world that he inhabits is even shittier than normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I like that. Well, it you gives know. you a good idea of why he is the way he is, right? like the world yeah. that he comes from. Um, but it, just to, to bring it back to the music for a second, uh, I think the thing that I'm trying to say is that with Rogue One, whenever the music that didn't sound Star Wars-y came on, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, and it was like I, like I cringed a bit, uh, despite the fact that I liked Rogue One. We, we all liked Rogue One quite a bit. Um, with this, I didn't really notice the music. And, you know, you could say that in a Star Wars movie that's bad because the music is so important. Yeah. Because we're, we attribute it to certain characters and everything. Um, but I also thought that that means that it's better than Rogue One musically in that I didn't really, I wasn't taken out of the movie by the music. Yeah. Like, I wasn't questioning musical decisions while yeah, I was watching. That's fair. I, I think, wasn't the Rogue One, like, the guy who composed it got, like, a, he had a very short window of time to actually. Somebody else was composing the music, and yeah. then they were taken off the project at the last minute. And uh, it was one of the guys who had done music for the Avengers ended up doing it. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this felt a lot more like well pieced together in that sense. Like I did notice that, and I did notice it in the important scenes, but it, it definitely wasn't a thing that stuck in my head very much. Like I didn't come away from it thinking that's a composition soundtrack I'm going to download and listen to. Yeah, but is it weird that they've like like they've said that they've basically like decided that non uh, Luke Skywalker stories won't have the John Williams Star Wars score? Well, and... you said he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But presumably, once they do after nine, they'll do another trilogy, yeah. and they'll include as a similar score based on his in it. But these, like Rogue One and Solo, haven't even had anywhere yeah. near that kind of like um, music. So yeah, it's weird that they like decided that's the route they're going to take, and they've stuck with it. But it's probably a smart decision. Like he's not going to be around forever, and if they plan on making Star Wars movies forever, uh, or <laughs> which they will, the future, which they will. Um, they are going to eventually need to transition people out of John with the, associating John Williams musically, uh, specifically and and uh, exclusively with Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you guys think actually just as a minor kind of um, sub point that the the box office performance of this might kind of scare them away from doing more Star Wars stuff, or do you think it's just a weird? I don't. I don't think so. Here's I, I my mean, thing with it. Yeah. Actually, Lucemore, you talk first. I was going to say that it, I think it's just people are a little burned by The Last Jedi and it's only like it feels like not that long ago that Last Jedi happened, especially mm. like it's since come out on Blu-ray. So like the like it was well worked, like Star Wars comes out in December and then the following December and then the following like and now this yeah. one is coming out in May or the end of May, you kind of think it's a little bit maybe too soon after The Last Jedi, and yeah, that's cause... why it's not done so well. Because this movie isn't bad. Like, it's a good movie. Like, you can say what you like about whether or not, you know, overall it's, it's a good Star Wars movie, but it's a good movie, and it and it deserves better than the $100 million or so that it took initially. Yeah. But It's strange that I think me it's and you, just, that, yeah. Loose more, you and I didn't see it the first weekend 
Like, exactly, yeah. It's, it's the, that's the first time I've ever not seen a Star Wars movie, the first day it's come out, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And I left it a week, and, and I wasn't even, like... I didn't even have to go and avoid spoilers. Like, it just, there just seemed to be kind of, like, no hype or something, like... Yeah, strange. I agree. I saw there was an interesting video actually blaming um, it partially on Disney because their promotion for this film has not been yeah like the regular Star Wars level of promotion. I completely agree. Also, with like that. it started quite late, didn't it? Like yeah, I mean, I, I didn't late. see a trailer until like what four months ago or something. Which like, makes sense because they they finished filming it four months ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. And they've had <laughs> it's, it's, they've had like you know behind the scenes uh, struggles I, and stuff like I, that. I have to say, considering the short amount of time that they had to edit this, this is actually a tribute to how uh, good Ron Howard is at running a tight ship. Yeah. Uh, that considering how late, how how like they didn't finish shooting that long. I mean, like I, I'm not joking when I say like four months ago they were finishing up shots. Yeah. Um, and the film is edited really well for the most part. There's only a couple scenes where I was like, oh, that feels tacked on, or but overall, comparing it again to to Rogue One. Um, I thought a, a big chunk of the beginning of Rogue One had some clunky editing where it felt like there was some spaces filled in to, to kind of put in explanation where it didn't need to be. Yeah. Whereas this flowed for the most part, and there was only a couple of scenes that I think felt kind of tacked on. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think um, in my head I was comparing it to like Justice League because they went through a, a similar sort of like um, production like fuck-ups. Um, uh, and in Justice League it was like very much like um, you can tell where one movie starts and another one, or one movie ends and another one starts. And whereas this, like, it, it, you can't really like. You can maybe be like, okay, that some of the jokes uh, seem mm-hmm. like they're added in, or they cover up a joke where you think, oh, they could have continued with that a little bit more, maybe, but they didn't. And that was a bit more like what the old movie maybe would have been. But I don't know. I think they did a pretty good job of like covering up the fact that this could have been fucking horrible and mm-hmm. yeah I, I think i think it, that this is an incredibly smooth piece of work for something that had so much going on behind the scenes at the start like and that's something that kind of struck me the whole way through it like it's there there are some elements of this movie that really remind me of christopher nolan and his style of movie making like it, this felt really like tight and compact and well done and that was mm-hmm. a surprise because i didn't expect it to i really didn't Part of that has to do with the fact that there was a script for this movie and that the script, this is the first Star Wars movie of these movies that had a finished script before they started filming. Oh, wow. And I mean, episode helps. nine is going to be the first of the new trilogy that has a finished script before the movie started filming also. Mm. So. Mm. That's interesting. Um, I, I mean, it. it's nice... It's it's Lawrence Kasdan and and his son also doing the writing, so it, it does have that Star Warsy feel to the yeah. to a lot of the dialogue also. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't. I I feel like this movie. If we're talking about the the release and and the money and everything. It's what I what I was gonna say was that it, this is Han Solo is the movie that nobody asked for yeah. because nobody wanted it. Yeah, I completely And I agree. think, considering the fact that I was one of those people that didn't want this movie, I think, like, this is the best-case scenario for how this could have turned out. Like, this was an okay 
fun. Like it was, it was a pretty good summer blockbuster. People, I hear, I see people online talking about the the plot and like, uh, oh, like the writing was a little bit like, uh, and some of the the choices were ham fisted and it's silly in some parts and stuff. And I'm like, again, and I feel like there's people who get mad at me every time I say this on 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 your show is that go back and watch a new hope and tell me that that's a well-crafted film. <laughs> it's not, it's a it's, fun yeah. summer blockbuster. It's, it's a good movie, but it's not like cinema. It's yeah. It's and barely even there. original. And I think it's, that's a, it's a compilation of various other space operas of the time that George Lucas exactly. actually wanted to make. Yeah. So I think when speaking to the quality of this film as something that nobody wanted uh, and that I didn't really want to begin with, I think that it's a testament to how 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 much they saved this this film that it's doing poorly enough that I'm a little bit sad that we're probably not going to get a sequel to it. Yeah, I mean, I, considering it sets it up like, well, we shouldn't get to the end. We'll, we'll, should we just go back to the beginning and like go like yeah, scene by I, scene? I, I'd like to. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't want to do scene by scene the whole way through, but I would like to talk about the earlier thing. Like, I'd like to talk about uh, Corellia and the world that they created, and mm-hmm. like, did, did that like to you guys? Did that line up with your expectations, or like, were you kind of thrown off by it a little bit, or like, do you have any kind of real opinions on the actual landscape itself of the mean streets of Corellia or crime and hyperfuel rules <laughs> the slum yeah i mean mcguffin juice yeah <laughs> mcguffin juice yeah it's it's weird to me that like um she has a posh british accent because you i always associate star wars and like hierarchy in star wars with british accents how the so fuck it's does... weird to me that like he's got like a gritty american accent See that and... that that stuff I can kind of just brush off by the fact that it, it's a it's a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, right? But yeah. I'd really like to know yeah. how Lady Proxima came to power. And similarly, now that I fucking think of it, how did Jabba the Hutt come to power? These are like two completely immobile worms <laughs> that have like yeah. outgrown their fucking Earth that they lived within. Like, how did they assume power and stuff like that? Because it's just two very words: strange. business savvy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are shrewd business people. <laughs> They're shrewd operators, L. Yeah, uh, clearly. They slither their way into deals. <laughs> yeah. It's it is. Call so them slimy funny. or greasy. Yeah, that it's so funny that like they're they're like, all right, we need a greasy slumlord thing. Like, well, yeah. we're aliens, let's make them physically greasy and slimy and that's... We were talking about this a bit before we started recording, but I like the idea of Lady Proxima, I even like the the design choices and everything. Like mm. it sounds like it's going to be somebody really, uh, like almost somebody just like this kind of like sexy gangster woman who's going to be running it. Maybe like older. Maybe like she used to be the sexy gangster woman. Now she's like the the like elder, like a little bit older and like wiser. Like the um, kind of like uh, the bad kind the... of like Mallory Archer from uh, from uh, Archer kind of thing, where she's just like this this shrewd woman. Um, but at the same time, uh, the accent, you're totally right about it. Like, uh, her speaking English is what throws off the scene. If that same scene had been done exactly the same way, but she was speaking in an alien language and it was just in subtitles and that's Star Wars thing where like they're speaking an alien language and, uh, they can all understand it. That actually probably would have helped one of the problems that people are having with the movie, which is that 
uh, he grew up on the street, the mean streets of Corellia, and he speaks apparently a bunch of different languages. Mm. You know, like Han. So um, I don't know. Like I, I thought, Lady Proxima was was fine. I think it to me it was very similar to the start of um, Star Trek, like the JJ reboot. Um, <laughs> like he's a kid. And all he wants to do is be a pilot, like Kirk wants to captain the Enterprise or whatever the fuck that was. Um, and yeah, it's very similar to that. Like all he wants, to, it's it's like it's like born to run. Basically, he just wants to get out of his small town. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think they handled it well. You know, I mean, I don't. You know, I mean, later on when he like made some of the choices that he makes um was a bit sort of like really would would han solo do that but then i guess we don't know that but they're draw they are making the character at this point like we don't know what like the end we know what the end result is like by the time yeah, episode yeah. seven comes around i don't i don't think you but, see our han solo until the very end and yeah, uh, I agree, one of yeah. the, a couple of the scenes with beckett towards the end like yeah, that's where yeah. you see our han solo start to like peek out because I, this is for the most part, it's not our Han Solo until the end, and there's some pretty good reasons as to why yeah. he ends up that way. I like yeah. that. I like how much they drove home the fact that he was inexperienced and ill-prepared, but he was ambitious and he wanted it. And I think that that's yeah, exactly. I think those things actually really do play into Harrison Ford's Han Solo. Is that he's just this guy who he has one way of doing things and. You can only be that way because of your experiences. Like, no one kind of tactically sets out to, like, be, like, oh, I'm going to be a cold and distant guy who makes funny quips and is really only out for himself. It's his experiences brought him to the table. And I think that they did a very good job of shaping that element of him. Um, but I have two... Pro- I, I really think in, in Star Wars, they need to stop overly piecing things together in such a specific way um and i think i wouldn't think that if the prequels hadn't happened and they had to fucking you know ham-fisted like just that horrible way of putting c-3po into scenes and making chewbacca like some general in a wookiee army and all of that stuff that they did but i really think that his name being solo because he was by himself like come on and also the fact that he started talking to Chewbacca because he speaks Wookiee out loud. Like, I really didn't want to know that. I wanted to know that, like, uh, he just... I, I agree with the Solo thing to a, to a degree. Because, like, I feel like, eh. Like, it was okay. I didn't mind. It wasn't, like, game deal-breaking for me. But I was like, eh, that's a little bit lame. Nor me, but um, I was just like, come on. I thought the Chewbacca scene was awesome. Mm. I, I wish he hadn't kept trying to speak Wookiee. Like, it was clear that Chewbacca understood his English. So after maybe, yeah. like, the first thing, and then he says, yeah, a little, which is the most Harrison Ford delivery he gave of any line in yeah. this movie. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he kept trying to speak Wookiee, and I was like, this was very clearly Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Like, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, there I were really some parts like that, that were, like, still felt like that, but they, they weren't enough that it like it was a problem there were some parts i like this doesn't feel because i don't need star wars to be funny like a lot of people have like you know they talk about like last jedi having too much humor or whatever but but i don't need star wars to be funny like (laughs) nothing about star wars is particularly funny like there's a giant fucking um army or whatever that's usually like taking over the galaxy yeah Yeah, exactly tiny quips like that space nazis (laughs) yeah exactly Yeah. yeah 
I I, yeah. I think with with that scene, right? I thought when he first did the first Wookiee growl, I thought that that was good because he was being he was about to be smothered by really muddy, like murky water, and like that yeah. is the kind of sound you would make while those hands are you know choking you to yeah but then the fact that yeah you're actually dead right it's the fact that he kept doing it that's what it was yeah and it wasn't i i really enjoyed the scene i really enjoyed seeing han and chewie get together and keep going and stuff like that um i also also side note i joked beforehand um mm. to my family i was like i can't wait to find out how old chewbacca is and then i actually did find out how old he is so that was pretty, pretty <laughs> wild but um yeah, the the him and Chewie coming together was actually quite neat and it was pretty well done, but I just could have done without him going like <laughs> I agree. You know what else was well done about it was that you know that this is the movie where Han meets Chewbacca. I actually heard it phrased as uh the Han Solo movie that nobody wanted and the Chewbacca movie that nobody knew they needed. Yeah. <laughs> which is true cuz Chewbacca is a major part of this movie, which is great because in the past two main saga stories, he's been such a sideline character. Mm. It's really upsetting cuz like the old movies had a lot more Wookiee screen time. Yeah. Um but I thought despite the fact that I knew that he was going to meet Han Solo uh, that Chewbacca was going to meet Han Solo vice versa in this movie, when they throw him to the creature I wasn't expecting it to be Chewbacca. Yeah, same. I don't know if that was... Like, I was expecting it to be something else. Like, I was expecting um, it to be the Rancor. Yeah, I and was expecting it to be a similar t- style to that, yeah. The parallels to uh, Return of the Jedi are awesome in this scene. Because, yeah. first of all, the sound sounds a little bit similar to the Rancor. Uh, the whole series of events is very similar to the Rancor. But also... Uh, the meeting of Han Solo and Chewbacca in that cell is so uh, similar to the meeting of Chewbacca and Han Solo in Return of the Jedi after Han Solo's been uh, unfrozen from the Carbonite. Yeah, and he's blind. He's blind. And he hears yeah. the sound, and he's like, yeah. what's that? And then it's Chewbacca, and he's like, Chewie! Uh, and the, even the lighting and the types of grates above them, it's like very, very similar like even the color palette is similar. Yeah. So I thought it was a really nice that was I thought that was some subtle parallelism. That's the kind of fan service that I really like where it's like you have it's not in your face. It's not somebody like saying anything overtly. Um it's not Finn pulling out the uh the the little laser droid thing on the Millennium Falcon and being like what the hell is this? Clearly like mugging for the camera like that this is a reference. Rebel um, scum. It's yeah. It's it's a uh, I don't know I thought it was a nice play on the originals that references the originals but in a creative way that that adds to the to the movie that they're that you're watching. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that's actually a really really good point too because I, I didn't even like I wasn't like you know a wash with that reference when I was watching the movie either. That's something that you can think about after and be like, oh, that was really well done. And it's you know it's not shoved down your throat. It, it, which is funny. This movie, uh, some of the complaints are that, like, oh, we didn't need the origin story for, like, how Han Solo got his blaster. But I thought that that was, like, really underplayed in the film. I thought it was going to be, like, really important. Like, Beckett is like, this is my favorite gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my father gave it to me. <laughs> he just tossed a gun to Han Solo, and it ends up being the gun that Han Solo keeps and uses. Like, yeah. whatever. They didn't make a big deal about it. Yeah, and I thought that um, was. A- how do we feel overall, like Han joining the uh, joining the Imperials? Like, actually, that little aside, 
the the scene where they're at war and they're in like bunkers and it's very world war one uh was cool looking like i would take a star wars star wars war movie like that where it's like set in this like cool like whatever planet they were on like i would watch a movie like that but um yeah i don't know yeah that's what it looked like yeah yeah, was... I don't know whether I take like a, a Han Solo. I mean, I maybe I get it. Maybe like his only way out was to join the the Empire. I don't know. Part of the but... expanded universe before though, also that he joined the Empire. Oh like, really? Han Solo I... is an ex Empire pilot. Uh... I think it was. I think it was pretty neat because. It, there was no way out of Corellia, and you could see that the Empire had already infiltrated there with their propaganda and the "your Empire needs you" type thing. Um, and he didn't yeah. he didn't want to do it, but it was also his only way out. And like he was ambitious and he was hungry, and you know he he saw a chance and he took it. Like I, I think that that was pretty good because Han Solo is a guy who. He's not actually a good guy, really, until he turns up at the very end in Return of the, in, in A New Hope, and he's like, mm. "All right, let's blast this thing and go home." Like that is. He's like, very opportunistic. Exactly. Like, he, he yeah. He's a he's a pirate. Yeah. Like and and that's you know there's no greater example of that than a man who joins a a man who becomes a mercenary for someone else's cause just to further his own. Like, yeah, he clearly didn't like the Empire because he wa- one of the things that he said early on to Kira is that they wanted to go somewhere where the Empire wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then he joins the Empire to save Kira. So as much as it is like, oh, yeah, Han Solo morally ambiguous because he's joining the Empire. He's joining the Empire so that he can go back and save someone like he's he, the it, it. Yeah, it is the interesting thing with Han Solo of like uh he's he wants to be like the he has that scene where he's like uh talking to kira in the tent and he says like i'm a i'm an outlaw she's Mm. like no you're not Mm. yeah she's (laughs) like you're the good guy and he's like no i'm a terrible person but like he's not (laughs) yeah it it is very much that kind of uh that kind of role right and i and i think that works with the han solo character that we know from the later films yeah i think so i did like that they put the uh the imperial march music during the uh, recruitment video. Um, but I said to you, Alan, like in the little notes that I made, like it was weird that they did it, like because the music is very ominous. Like it's it's not like cheery music. It's yeah. like, it's weirdly <laughs> Some national bad. national anthems aren't cheery though. That's true. Like, yeah. No, yeah that, like, I guess. Ar- Ireland's national anthem is basically about killing the Brits. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's. I, I guess it's just a neat little thing, though. It's not like you don't need. Yeah, to that was it. It was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was very muted. Like it wasn't super obvious. Yeah. It was kind of in the background, and. I mean, a lot of this movie is fan service. A lot of it is like those little bits. I mean, to me, like I love it. Like all those bits are like great. They they make the movie, but I can understand why some people like casual fans of the movie are like just this is too much but you know that's what i get I, that's why we go see these movies i guess like the nostalgia and fan service so. i like how when it happens in a star wars movie they're like oh it's fan service but when a marvel movie references the comics and like brings in items from the comics and stuff they're like oh it's this neat reference it's like <laughs> yeah okay, well, like what's the difference here like really it's 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 a matter of not its exclusivity it's it's basically a matter of the size of the fan base right so like with Star Wars, it's fan service because everybody knows it. But with Marvel, it's like, 
we're the unique people who've actually read the comics. This is there for us. We're niche and we're, you know, that's that's pretty much what that is. Um, What did we think of Kira, the character? I've heard... uh, She was okay. Yeah, she was fine. Like, I've heard, like, a lot of people do not rate Amelia Clark at all as an actress. I I think she's pretty good as an actress. I think, unfortunately, she's going to get typecast a lot because of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, But this this character was different enough from uh daenerys that i was totally fine with it and the only other movie that i know that she's been in really is that rom uh that romantic movie where she's like with the guy in the wheelchair who's like paralyzed uh, theory of she to, oh where she he played um um yeah the name of the guy um what was his name Stephen Hawking? Uh, is it no, no that's no, not no. the movie <laughs> okay. oh no 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 don't worry I, it's I another movie it's like she's taking care of a guy who's in a wheelchair and he's rich uh, and he's an asshole to everybody because he can't walk anymore. Um, and she falls in love with him, and he falls in love with her. But he's like all upset. Like this is all from the trailers. So <laughs> she's in uh, yeah. she's in Spike Island. Movie, and if you like the Stone Roses, you should watch the movie Spike Island because it's terrific. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like she seemed fine. I I thought her character was yeah. pretty cool in the sense that she was almost like sp- just spiritually lost. And she had, like, one default mode to go to for safety, and that was pretty much it. Like, she she couldn't ever get out of her comfort zone. Like, she always had to be doing one thing that she knew would keep her going. And I liked the yeah. way they kept on referencing that in everything that she did, and that was pretty cool. So she wasn't I mean, a damsel in distress, and nor was she yeah. the, the stereotypical kick-ass girl that's, like, a strong female character just because she does all of the things that a man does. She was actually, like, a weirdly kind of torn character that was constantly yeah, going deeply through. deeply conflicted is what yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. She had, like, an inner turmoil to her, and it showed in everything that she did, and she was willing to risk relationships you know, with the one person in the universe who cares about her because of her, like, that latent fear that wouldn't go away. And I, I think that that's, yeah. like, that's really unique for a movie like this. Like, really unique. So, yeah, we don't have to get into it right now, but I was going to say, like, she, she also knows who she's working for and the audience doesn't, mm, and yeah. neither does Han. Like, who she's really working for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we don't have to get into that until we get to that point. But, um... I think that also explains a lot of why she was, why she's so scared to leave that because yeah. she knows that she'd be screwed. And we also don't know how how uh, poisoned her mind is with with whatever is going on, um, or corrupted she's become. Um, but it's it's interesting because uh, Dryden Voss, most awesome Star Wars name in a while, mm. by the way. It, that, what, that's a Star Wars ass name, Dryden yeah, Voss. It absolutely. Yeah. Um, Which Paul makes Bettany Tobias to... Beckett even weirder that his name is <laughs> Tobias. <laughs> <Beckett. It's> just, <laughs> yeah, Tobias Beckett is just the most weirdly normal name, and I can't get over it to be honest. Yeah, but I don't know. Like her, her thing with uh, with Dryden Voss was was really interesting. Um, her kind of status in the film uh, being revealed to not be quite what you thought it was when she's reintroduced as being with Dryden Voss. Mm. Um, it's re- it's really interesting. I-, I think she's a much more interesting character than people are giving her credit for, and I think, unfortunately, part of that has to do with who she is as an actress. Because yeah, I agree. Fortunately, I think she's much more talented 
than people give her credit for. And I think, unfortunately, she's going to end up being typecast a lot, like I said, because of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And and she might have to pull one of those things that uh, that some actors do, where they disappear off the face of the off the face of the world for for a bit, and then come back doing some smaller indie films, taking some risky roles, like kind of what Daniel Radcliffe did, uh, and then come back into acting. Yeah. Uh, in in larger films. In, in more diverse roles. I suspect that her path will will not be that, and she's gonna be. She will just simply be typecast in blockbusters, and yeah. I don't think she'll get away from that. But I think she's cool with that too. So yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think she's fun. I, I honestly have no problems with her, and and her acting in this movie, I thought was she was probably one of the stronger uh, performances in the film. Yeah, being perfect. I think um, any movie is infinitely better when Woody Harrelson is in it, and he was terrific. Weirdly, yeah. Um, Woody Harrelson and Thandi Newton had fantastic chemistry. Yeah. And I was very sad that they weren't on the screen together more. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It did bother me that they cut those because um, it was John Favreau who voiced the. I, what was that little thing called? Rio. Rio. Yeah. Um, yeah, they like had good when they were together as like a team. I thought they was going to be. Like, they'd go on one good adventure together, um, which they kind of did, but then obviously they they died, but I was expecting more from them. I like how that plays with expectations, though. Um, It's something that I think, when we talked about this in The the Last Jedi review, that The Last Jedi tried to break some conventions, Mm. uh, and I didn't feel like they were always, like, yeah, you broke the convention, but that doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. Um, whereas this, I thought like, it was very much like, oh, this is the crew that's set up to like be awesome. And, and, you know, like, sure, they'll get into trouble, but they probably won't die or only one of them will die. And it's like, no, they all pretty much died mm. right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was like a, a brave and interesting choice. And I think it sets up like the stakes in the world is that like no crew member other than Chewbacca and Han are going to be safe because we know that they make it out, but nobody yeah. else necessarily is going to make it out. Ultimately, they're the only two that make it out. And Lando. No, I mean from the original crew. For, but yes, from the crew. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool. Um, I was not at all surprised when you know Infinity Nest or whatever her name is. Enfys Nest. <laughs> yeah, Enfys Nest appeared, and um, after Woody Harrelson said there was no way that would happen. Um, I think that was really cool too. The like Mad Max, like Thunderdome bandits appearing oh, on flying. And this nest looks so freaking cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. She was cool. Period. That character was cool, and she did way more than Boba Fett ever did to gain people's respect. And people are probably still going to be like, eh. Uh, it was a ginger black woman just put there because of diversity. <laughs> no, she she was awesome. I've never enjoyed anything in my life. Yeah, she was really cool and um, like literally way better at her job than Boba Fett ever was. <laughs> I I really liked her motivations too. Yeah, like same. when it you think she's the bad guy the entire time, and then at the end of the film you're like, oh no wait, like no, she's like bankrolling the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, it is weird that they kill them though. Like, they kill Dandy Newton, and... Because uh, if they just said, listen... Dandy Newton uh, kills herself. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But um, they do a lot to, like, uh, nearly kill them. Whereas in the end, they just say, hey, we're these guys. We're good. That's one of the and, things then, that and then you're like, oh, okay, well, why didn't you just do that earlier? Like, you've been that, chasing was... Woody Harrelson for years, apparently, or something. So Yeah, but, yeah. That, but that was one of the things that, uh, that Rogue One did. And it's, it's kind of made clear that, like... Um, from my understanding, it wasn't always her chasing Woody Harrelson. It was her mother 
partially as well because uh, okay. she becomes Enfys Nest after her mother dies. Um, so I don't know if that was like the the whole thing. Anyway, the point is, uh, it was one of the moral ambiguities with the Rebel Alliance that I like that they've been playing with since Rogue One. Is that like yeah, the Rebel doesn't kill. always do yeah. good things, and it also kind of felt like. Um, I'm interested because you have like rebels and then you have like Saw Gerrera, and the rebels weren't really cool with Saw Gerrera. Yeah. Um, even in, in the show rebels, uh, which is like the beginnings of the origins of the rebel Alliance and how that comes together. Uh, Saw Gerrera is seen as kind of an extremist. Uh, and so the idea that like Empress Nest is kind of playing on that side as well, like the dirty things that the rebel Alliance doesn't want to associate themselves with once they've gotten some traction with the public, but needed in order to get where they were. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm cool with that part of it it's also like han as well han is a morally ambiguous character also who ends up helping the rebel alliance and they're fine with having a smuggler as long as he helped blow up the death star yeah i mean i think the whole tone of the movie is very western isn't it and nobody in a western is a good actually a good character like everybody in a western is that's a good point pretty bad so yeah yeah, I think the the rebel ambiguity thing is is also just completely like real life like you know it's really weird like you know IRA members, some IRA members who, like, actually killed people are also, like, leading politicians because there was a, you know, there was a war and there was a blurry line and things are not black and white and stuff like that. So I think they should have stuff like that in Star Wars so that people can see that you do have to get your hands dirty and, you know, just being a force for good is not necessarily the be-all and end-all of winning a a war of attrition against an empire and stuff like that. So um, that's pretty cool. That whole train scene was great. Um, It reminded me a lot of the um, episode of Firefly with the the train heist. Yes. Um, You know, I love that. (laughs) Anything that reminds me of Firefly is fantastic. And um, yeah, it was really well done. And I kind of got the impression from the trailer that the whole movie was going to revolve around the train heist. So it was really good to see that kind of good misdirection, and then you you have like the whole rest of the movie is this open space to see what's going to happen, and that was great. Um, I actually Mm. I literally can't even remember where it went from there. I think they they went straight to meet um Dryden. Well, they went to meet Paul Bettany's character. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. And then he was like, "You don't have the thing that I want," and they were like, "No, we don't." And then 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 like they do a bit where Han Solo like vamps, like he like he knows what he's talking about. Which is pretty cool because it's like a classic Han Solo sort of like. It's almost I'll like make the up origin. a plan, but it, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and it works. Like he he pulls it off and he says, "I can do this in whatever." Because that's essentially the beginnings of the Castle Run job, isn't it? Is that the story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that's Which where is, they meet. Um, did Lando they explain? I was thinking about this after, and I was like, "Yeah, that was awesome." And then I'm thinking, "Okay, Kessel, they're the spice mines." Spice is a drug in the Star Wars universe. It's essentially co- like cocaine or, or whatever. Um, but they go to Kessel, to the spice mines, to steal unrefined fuel. And it just feels like what this movie really would have been about if they weren't chasing the PG rating uh, would it's have cocaine. been like yeah. this cocaine, space <laughs> yeah. cocaine. Space cocaine, uh, yeah. And so the way that I thought it was going to play out was that they didn't necessarily know what they were robbing. Yeah. uh, Han was going to find out that it was like drugs or something and that he was going to dump Lando and uh, the spice. And that's why Lando's like, after what you pulled kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
but at the same time, like I get why they couldn't do that. I guess I just think it would have been a cooler movie if they were hauling drugs. <laughs> yeah, it definitely yeah. would have been. Yeah. And it would have been like an it made more sense. Why yeah. Kessel had the unrefined. Like it's like yes, Kessel. We we mine spice. But also fuel. The reason is because they had to show Han Solo doing the castle run in 12 parsecs. So, I did yeah. like the explanation for the castle run, though. Much like what happened with uh, Rogue One and the flaw in the Death Star plan being yes. uh, put on purpose. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, are we going to talk about... <laughs> I will confess I'm a hater, but we can talk about Lando and Donald Glover and... All of that. What? Well, it, it was only you last like night it? where you said something. What did you say about Donald Glover? You were like, I, I don't get it. Also, whatever I, you said. It's, it's, it's uh, it all started for me with the fact that I don't think he's good at music, and then he made This Is America, and I was like, I feel like I'm just missing something. Like the video is is sensational, and it's just a great work of art, and it's fantastic. But the song that goes with it, I've listened to it like twenty times, and I couldn't quote you a single line from it apart from "This Is America" and "Hundred Bands, Hundred Bands, Hundred Bands, Contraband, Contraband, Contraband." But anyway, just the song. That's itself, a like, good line. It, I mean, once you. St- <laughs> it is completely unmemorable, and I just think that people are pretending to like it. <laughs> no. I know, I, I, I know. I, mean, like, I don't I, I don't like rap and I and I thought the song was actually really interesting. See, uh, it's accept- a lot more about contrasts, right? Like the the hundred pence, hundred pence, hundred pence and the but also like the black man, black man, black man, get your money, get your money, get your money and it like those two things mix together and you end up hearing get your black man oh, and people I'll have talked honest. about it as like a tie to like a slavery and I, purchasing see, slaves what it is with me is that i'm really really bitter about the fact that kanye released yeezus and it's got this track on it called new slaves and it's basically about like the inherent racism built into capitalism and it's like it's just a really really good song and it uses a lot of like kind of these minimalist additions to it and people kind of wrote that off as uh this is this is bad this is just lazy beat making i think most of it is the video though for yeah yeah but like all all the people now who were like saying oh no this this kanye thing wasn't good they're all saying that the donald glover thing is great and at the same time they're saying they're trying to act like uh, childish gambino is the new kanye because kanye said some things that they don't like and i just i, I really... think because kanye is is like at his heart like a conservative whereas like he's not John, like, yeah he's not but kanye like that's has the spent paint, five that's minutes of his paint. life thinking about politics like he has no idea about these things but people that like i just i hate he doesn't have a lot of ideas about a lot of things yeah i know and also like he has a mental illness and he's like very open about that and i don't know i just i just feel like the culture war is pulling everything in different directions and i'm upset and i just and and also (laughs) i I just i don't remember lando calrissian being that sexually fluid to the point that he wanted to fuck a robot and i think (laughs) i just i just i don't know it's just weird he was just overly lando to me and i think it was i don't think so i think it was a great performance in abstract but I don't think it's what I would have imagined Lando doing. Even, like, Billy Dee Williams' Lando is definitely, like, you know, fabulous. Like, he wears capes. Like, he's very, mm-hmm. like, warm and welcoming and weird and sassy and stuff like that. And it makes sense that he would have those characteristics a lot more amplified in his youth. I just, I don't know. <laughs> There's something wrong with me. It's just my inner bias is, like... Yeah, it's it's, just, I mean, I, I like don't see... I don't <laughs> see this version of Lando Calrissian 
being the general that he is in like 20 years time or whatever yeah but you also um, don't see the lando calarizian in empire strikes back being the general that he is in yeah Return that's true yeah he does a lot of growth i mean i'll give him a lot of, yeah he does he drops his cape by the time return of the jedi comes around so well, he's done huge. some yeah yeah that's huge i tell you um, what what really what i really didn't like about lando was when kira was putting out the fire and he was like my cape that's custom made i thought that that was a terrible line i don't think it was fitting of a guy who loves that goddamn ship like you know as much as he loves that robot and all that stuff like i just think i don't know i just there's something about i think i went into it telling myself that i didn't like him and as a result of that i've only pulled the negative treads and i've ruined it for myself and i've become one of those people that i hate i don't know man i don't like childish gambino's music for the most part but i really like donald glover i'm i've been watching donald glover since he was in Derek comedy way back in the day uh i've been watching his career develop i freaking loved him in community yeah i mean community he's great in community atlanta which he writes and stars in atlanta is great is great um i mean to be honest like he's my least I'm not going to say least favorite part of uh, Solo, but he, I wanted Lando to be cooler than he was, but I think he played him in a way that like he was kind of more of the butt of the jokes in this movie. Mm. Um, he, I don't know. I just felt like he was he, charming He fucks his there. robot, and then he like cries when it dies. Like, I'm he not, doesn't fuck his robot. He does fuck his robot. He definitely fucks his robot. Like that's <laughs> it, you, can't argue, you can't argue that he does not fuck his robot. He no, fucks that, his robot. Okay, am I... So I'm I've been seeing a lot of this online, like this argument, and it seems like it's going one of two ways where people are like, Yeah, he definitely did stuff with that robot. And the other thing is that like the robot is obsessed with him and Lando is just like com- not oblivious to it, but mm. trying to ignore it. I think yeah, that's I, the read that I got was I, that Lando that the robot was pretending like she wasn't fully into him, but the robot freaking adored him. And he was just like, Oh my god, this freaking robot just like stop but like i need her and she's cool but like stop hitting on me i think their Uh, relationship um, was deliberately ambiguous but i think when kira was like how how would that work and then she goes it works that made me think they've done something yeah no i don't i don't think so i don't think maybe she i think that's just i think that's just the robot actually honestly (laughs) like my least and then this is sad because i usually like i've liked the new droids that they've been pushing in and i like it when the droids are sassy Mm. um but i wasn't a huge fan of this droid i thought like her i liked her motivations and everything but i thought it was overplayed yeah i I think her ridiculous i think the way that she walked was literally racist yeah, I agree with that as well. Like that was a weird sort of like it was always there was a scene where they like highlight the robot's ass as well. Mm. Like when she's walking down this path, and I'm like, like the way she walk, and I'm just really like, really. Yeah, you're giving her this much sass, and you're making her yeah. walk like like that Beyonce kind of walk, like. Like, come on. <laughs> it was like the two weird robots in Transformers where they, like, were, like, two black... She's, like, colors. built out of parts of different droids, though. I know, so I know. That's, that's the way that I read it. But... I know, but yeah. it, they, they <laughs> deliberately made her walk with her hips swaying that way to mirror the sassy black woman trope. I mean, she be Waller-Bridge, not a sassy black woman. No, though. I know. And her but... accent no, wasn't yeah, that yeah. of a sassy no, her, black woman. No, her, no, no, she didn't speak in Ebonics, I understand that, but, like... 
obviously Donald Glover is black and just I don't uh, maybe I'm wrong maybe no, I'm actually, I, I read it the same way as you but I mean maybe, I maybe can, we're both racist I don't know maybe but, yeah, maybe we are yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought she sounded too much like Phasma that was my main yeah, yeah, yeah I agree as well I totally yeah. agree they use the exact same they put that through the exact same um they put it through the exact same track on audacity when they were rendering her voice had <laughs> <laughs> the exact same like echo and reverb coming out of it it was yeah i do really like how she became the ship though yeah, yeah she, I, that was, I, that was as so soon cool. as they they hooked her up uh when lando hooked her up to the ship nava computer like she is the nava computer mm-hmm. uh and it made that sound i was like oh shit my theory was correct <laughs> um that that she ends up becoming the the ship's nav system which is why the ship is so temperamental it was weird hearing hearing han use the word download i just feel that you shouldn't use the word download in the star wars universe but i always have one thing that i feel is you know in terms of dialogue just doesn't belong in the star wars universe and the word download is definitely one of them Mm. Mm. but yeah i mean they it's weird when you think like they could come up with a different word that means that like download is a very 20th century word like yeah you know but, but also, like, what else would you call that? Like, I don't know. Synchronous. I don't know. Make something up. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's less egregious than "I'll see you in hell." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, no, that's I totally true. agree. But I mean, we could we could do an entire episode about my issues with certain dialogue in certain places in the Star Wars universe. So. Yeah. Like, like and for example, half John... of it would be Poe Dameron at the beginning of the Last Jedi. Yes, Jesus Christ. Or um, John John Boyega saying, "You bastards!" Like, right? This is a universe where like nobody talks to their fucking dad, or all of their dads died. You can't just throw the word "bastard" around. Like, how insensitive! It's gonna be really offensive <laughs> to like eighty-five percent of the people. Like, nobody talks to their dad. Can you imagine if like Han Solo's dad? appeared at the end of this movie and was like, hey, son, let's go grab a beer or something. Uh, it's just, yeah. yeah, very weird. But I, I did like the way um, Lando was like, do you talk to the old man? And Han was like, no. And I just like the way his dad still exists and lives somewhere instead of the fact that his dad is also dead and every hero in every movie is a fucking orphan. Like, yeah, like, yeah. A, de- like a deadbeat dad who ended up like... Well, it didn't sound like he was, but it sounded like he lost... Han because of it wasn't clear whether he was alive or dead. Yeah, and I like that. the idea that he lost Han because he lost his job. Yeah. Yeah, like the kid had to like he he, he, had to, he became like says, a slave or something. He says he got laid off, didn't he? Yeah. This, is, this movie is like one beat away from Han pulling over in his speeder and opening the door and saying, "So Mary, climb in. It's a town full of losers, and I'm pulling out of here to win." Yeah. Exactly. It should have ended with the Born to Run. Someone has to make a compilation of <laughs> like just the end credits, him speeding off with Kira and. But yeah. Yep. Um. All right. So I. Think... I thought Lando was fine. Yeah. For for the record, I do want to state I think he's a terrific actor, and I've always said it. Like you can listen to you know all of my back. Actually, I thought. I thought Lando was more than fine. I, I really liked Lando in this movie. I thought he pulled off the charm, and a lot of his lines like really sounded like something Billy D. Williams would have said. And mm. he was a much more believe. I thought uh, Alden Ehrenreich did a pretty good job. Yeah, actually, I know some people who are uh, their whole thing against this movie is like Alden Ehrenreich is not Harrison Ford, and I mean oh, like 
Did you, did you watch woman. The Last Crusade? Did woman, you enjoy The Last Crusade? Because the kid who played young uh, Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade looks nothing like Harrison Ford. And Alden Ehrenreich at least looks closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought Alden Ehrenreich uh, I don't know. I, I think he, to me, he did the Chris Pine thing. Like, you don't, you're not going to be William Shatner, like, as Kirk. You're not going to be Harrison Ford as Han Solo. So you just do similar mannerisms like you you're not doing an impression because an impression would be stupid yeah. so you do mannerisms you do what would this character do in this situation how would he hold himself blah blah blah, blah. but there were and scenes I think he like, did a fine job like you know. the one that we were talking about with chewbacca where he says yeah a little and he had a few lines that really came out that way and then he had another one where he's trying to convince beckett to take him on the crew and he starts wagging his finger yeah. And in those moments, I was like, oh, shit, like he doesn't have to do an impression. He just needs to, like, act like Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he it had comes that with... down. Like, so he had all of Harrison Ford's mannerisms, I think. Yeah, the point. I mean, Harrison Ford is known for his points. Some of them. Yeah, um, he didn't have yeah. the uh, he didn't have the like kind of like eyes roaming around and like moving his head slightly. Yeah. And his smile yeah. was too big, but. You know? Yeah, but that that might change considering the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, where do we go from here? Is there anything you guys want to talk uh, about? Castle Run. So they've gone. Yeah, they've gone oh, to. It's oh, basically yeah, the Castle course, Run. The Castle actually. Run. Yeah, yeah, there was something in this. Um, the the all of the action actually, I didn't really enjoy. Really comp- like, I don't really know what it was. I think maybe something to do with the just the filming of the action scenes it felt very close quarters even in the open spaces where it wasn't and mm-hmm. the camera was like right on han while he's shooting and then it i don't know i just i just don't really feel like they they portrayed the scope of the battle very well it was very um it was very close that might up. be a case of the reshoots though right yeah like they, they so. did the best with what they were able to pull together yeah. kind of thing um using yeah i mean there was no great outstanding set piece in this either really i mean even the kessel run wasn't like <laughs> i mean if you was to list a bunch of oh these are my favorite star wars moments i don't think any of any of the things out of this movie would make it in yeah but i think it's okay i think for that, it it still works as a movie without having one major Star Wars style set piece. Um, so yeah, the the part around the mall was interesting. Yeah, as that, a set piece, that was. Um, I, I was worried about that from the trailers because I was like, ah, oh, space kraken, really. But it ended up being a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Um, one of, one of my maybe it's because I low expectations. One it looked my... bad in the trailers, but it was way better on in the movie. Oh yeah, and I think they did a good job with like as far as CG creatures in Star Wars go. Uh, when you think about the Rathars in Episode Seven, they looked really out of place with yeah. how real life that movie was, and they could have just made like a different looking creature that wasn't like a rolling yeah. ball that was clearly an Indiana Jones reference that nobody yeah. needed. Well, this was obviously um, reference to Empire, wasn't it, with the worm thing on the asteroid or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the idea yeah. of the Millennium Falcon always scraping through. Um, yeah. There was. But I thought they did a good job with filming it so that your the camera would never lingered on the space kraken, whatever it was, too long so that you had time to critique the CG. Like I, I thought the CG was fine. I think yeah. that I think that scene was a tribute to Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea because um the thing has tentacles like a giant squid does 
and because the falcon was like because it was like an electrical storm there was also bolts of lightning and electricity surrounding the tentacles grasping the falcon which is exactly what happens in 20,000 leagues under the sea is that the yep. the giant squid wraps around the nautilus and they have like an electrical force field around it and they keep turning it up to try and electrocute the thing away and this was basically the exact same as that so i think it's yeah that's true it's an unlikely tribute that i wasn't expecting but that 20,000 leagues under the sea with um kirk douglas and james mason it's from like 1954 or something but no one will know what i'm talking about here but that's no, one, of, it's one but, of my favorite movies so um yeah no, I, I think that's a nice pull. Um, I also like the damage that the Millennium Falcon takes because some of the information, again, like following Star Wars tradition, there's a lot of information about the movie that we know about, like the ships and the things like that that weren't in the movie. Um, so like in the original Star Wars, like the Emperor Palpatine was never called Emperor Palpatine, but everybody knew he was called Emperor Palpatine and yeah. Darth Sidious. Like it was never, his name was never said. Um so the interesting thing was with the ship, the Millennium Falcon, uh, is not originally Lando's ship. We see it at the end of Episode 3. Uh, it's not in Lando's possession at that time. Um, and the idea is that the ship is actually even older than that, uh, and that it's passed through various different owners. Uh, which is interesting considering the fact that Han is now dead in the new trilogy, and it's essentially passed down to another owner. Um but the the cool thing is the idea that like the modifications that Lando has made to the ship to make it all new and spiffy looking, uh, they're kind of tacked on. It's kind of like uh, somebody pimping out their ride, really. Like it, right. it, it is that's what he's done to it, right? Like he's taken his ship to exhibit, and exhibit was like, oh, uh, <laughs> so. I heard you I, like I capes, like the idea. so we put some capes yeah. in your <laughs> capes in your capes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I was trying to think of one and it didn't come out, but that was a good one. Um, but the the idea that like when this giant creature is hitting the the ship, like parts of it that seem like they were more for decoration are sliding off, and you start to see like the Millennium Falcon that we know underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Especially you're like, the oh, front, those, the those front is more. Yeah. Um, it didn't have the big. I don't know what they, it's yeah, kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and I thought it was well done. Like the the ship ended up looking a lot more like the Millennium Falcon by the end, and you can see like where a lot of that like why it looks like a hunk of junk now. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that that was that was nicely nicely done. It's one of my favorite things in the Star Wars universe that everyone just calls the Millennium Falcon a heap of junk. Like one even... of the best scenes in Episode Seven. Oh my god, dude! I literally—it's garbage. I I got goosebumps like every t yeah. even when I think of that scene and um, love it. The when Ray did that thing to to flip the Falcon over to get the target on the Tie Fighter when she physically like jolts forward with her arm, I just did it to you know no one's benefit. But um, I <laughs> I I, I, lit I literally get goosebumps thinking about that scene, and I don't know. It's like it's because it's the crossover of like this is a new version of the thing that you loved as a kid and you get to like experience this thing again for the first time, but it's also yeah. reminiscent and nostalgic. Yeah. Good. I shit. mean, that is essentially just star Wars all over though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Look at that this. It's nostalgia. Take it in your face. But it was a good scene in Episode 7, and it, and, it, and it works well. Yeah, and it's yeah. nice to see the Falcon in, like, spiffy condition also, which yeah. was cool. I thought it looked cool with the escape pod also. Uh, very Imperial-looking in design, which yeah. makes sense because Corellia is where the Imperial ships were made, so it makes sense that a Corellian design looks kind of similar initially with yeah. the escape pod in there. Um, the I loved the uh, antenna coming off again. Yeah, 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 in the storm or because in the maelstrom. The idea that Han Solo is taking Lando's ship and knocks the antenna off uh, in the maelstrom really changes when that happens to Lando flying the Falcon in Return of the Jedi to the point where, like, did he do that in purpose in yeah. Return of the Jedi? Like, it kind of like <laughs> changes the scene slightly to be like, huh? I wonder if he knocked it off on purpose in Return of the Jedi just to be like, you know, take one back. Yeah. Um, obviously he did, that wasn't the original intent, but it gets kind of like re, uh, it, you can imagine it that way now. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. It's cool. Like, I, I love, I like the things they add in that give you a kind of an extra incentive to rewatch the original trilogy. Cause that's cool. Actually, yeah. one of my favorite movie, uh, parts, sorry, of the movie, I think is in that sequence where, um, Kira is sat next to. Han and he's 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 in the he's the captain now of the Millennium Falcon if you like, and um, I'm the captain now. Yeah, and then Chewie does something like to suggest that he knows the problem that's going on, and then she like says that he should sit in the in the yeah. chair next to Han, and that was just a cool little like oh this is when they first sit next to each other in the Millennium Falcon. Like, I thought that was little, nice. Yeah, yeah, like, like it was just nice seeing that like this is the beginning of these two. Uh, together in, in the ship, but um, I also thought yeah. that when he says, "How do you know how to? How do you know stuff about ships?" and then he he goes like a hundred and ninety years old. That reminded me so much of um, of Chewie with blind Han in Return of the Jedi and Han saying, "A Jedi Knight." About yeah. Yeah. yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't think of it. That's a good pull. Yeah, yeah. So. um yeah, the 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 castle run was actually pretty great. I love seeing extra elements to the universe of Star Wars, <laughs> and the fact that there's just a gigantic, like, space monster creeping around in a space storm. Like, I just thought that that was so cool. Like, I love that kind of shit. So, yeah, that was good work. Yeah. Um, uh, and I also love that it's actually not twelve parsecs. It's twelve if you round down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so so cool. it's like twelve yeah. point like. Eight three or something. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, not if you round down or whatever. He's so just a very hand like moment, like yeah. e- even being like cheap and sort of like even that point. Yeah, just trying to get the most out of anything. You know what else I like about that? And this is gonna be like really nerdy, and I might actually be wrong, and it may be a thing that I think to sound smart or something. But parsecs is like a unit of of distance, distance. instead of speed. And in this, it shows that there was a path, and he broke the path, and that's why he did it in twelve parsecs. Is because yeah. he didn't he didn't go. He went like as the crow flies. Castle Run takes twenty two parsecs, and he did it in twelve. Yeah. So yeah. So basically, like you know, fuck off, all of you fucking nerds. Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeting. Actually, <laughs> it's, parsecs is a it's, fuck off. Fuck you. You're wrong. You've lost. It's funny because if you go back and you watch A New Hope, the reason he brings it up is. <laughs> Because, and you can read this however you want, but it's uh, Luke asks. They ask him if it's a if it's a fast ship, mm-hmm. and Han says fast, 
This is the ship that made the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. Yeah. So he is using it as a reference of speed, but really what he means is, I took a shortcut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like that uh, it's just, it's a ship that is capable, or it's a ship that will facilitate your wily, you know, navigation skills. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. just being like Hansa. He's just lying to make himself look cool. And that's exactly. all he's doing the, at any point in this movie. Like he's, he's, He's lying his way out of the empire. He's doing all this stuff. He's like he's very opportunistic. So anything he says is trying to benefit himself. Mm, and even yeah. in that scene in A New Hope, he's just basically saying, "Listen, I did this." And in fact, he didn't really, but yeah, he kind of did. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is very Han Solo. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was a good explanation. Um, yeah. So. Uh, where, where it takes you... us to like the bit with uh, Drayden Foss. The the double cross where like you think Woody Harrelson is good and then he's bad yeah, so, um, or something yeah uh, what's it called Enfys Nest reveals that she's kind of facilitating a rebellion yeah um, which is interesting uh, Woody Harrelson's character Beckett uh, pretty much says that he's gonna go uh, Kira knows that Han is going to try to help them. Uh, and importantly, knowing Kira's deception at the very, very end, the fact that she lets Han help them mm-hmm. adds to the kind of weirdness of that character, the complexity of that character that yeah. we were talking about, because she doesn't keep the the fuel. Yeah. So she she, does, she yeah. like she, she double crosses him, but like, she doesn't she, betray him. Yeah, she's like psychologically enslaved, but like mm-hmm. she, like her actions don't reflect a person who's a loyal servant it's more like it's it's more like she's been beat down so much that she feels like her lot in life the thing that she actually deserves is a far worse fate than just merely being a servant to the empire and but it, i like, think it's like a weird sort of like she's also trying to save him like this yeah, whole time yeah, exactly like she he thinks he's saving her and at no point is he like she's actually saved him this whole time like she told him yes. to leave when she got captured and he left and then he, she never went looking for him, even though he's spending this whole time to go look for her. She doesn't want to because she wants him to go off and be the best version of himself. Exactly, and she feels like and she's going to be an anchor, and she's yeah, you know, yeah, she's yeah. And, stuff. Like it, and in that situation, she knows he's going to want to do the good thing, so she just allows Han to be Han, even though in the long run you presume that that it's not beneficial to her whatsoever, but. Yeah, yeah, I, I think love the I shades mean, of you know. gray in her character. Like, they're, yeah. it's so, like, I don't know, like, Star Wars... She gets... is the most interesting character in the movie. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Star... I think that she, it, people won't think she is because because of the fact it's Amelia Clark playing an English person. She's an English yeah. actress. Like, she's not actually, like, she's she, not doing an accent. We should have known she was going to be a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's it's it, Star Wars gets a lot of flack for particularly the originals, the way that they booked not booked wrestling talk stuck in my head, the way that they portrayed women. Um, but like Leia is a really unique female character, particularly mm-hmm. from that era, and I think Kira is kind of like almost equally as original in that sense. Like she doesn't really conform to any stereotype, and that's just super yeah. cool to me. And I love seeing stuff like that. So. Hopefully the double cross was really well set up. Yeah, it was really well set up. Because but also, it was it was Woody Harrelson doing a a kind of a Han Solo move, which is the whole point of the movie is that Han yeah. is essentially Woody Harrelson's character. Like he learns everything in terms of 
being a Han Solo style character from Woody. Yep. So the the very nature of Woody coming back and being like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to do this even for the money or whatever, which is kind of what Han does at the end of A New Hope. Like mm. He's like, I don't want any part of this. And he's like, oh, actually, I do want to get paid. So he comes back and saves a day as the hero. But is he yeah. really doing it for the money? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. It was it yeah. was good. Um, I loved the the when Dryden Voss thinks he knows what's going on and he's like, it's amazing. Yeah. This looks exactly like the real thing. And Han's like, it it is the real thing. And he's not lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. Um, because it turns out that it was the real thing the whole time. Yeah, which yeah. makes uh Dryden Voss look stupid and it makes Woody Harrelson look stupid also. Yeah. Uh, I love the line of like, well, like people are predictable. Yeah. Um. It really falls into this. It's also like this is a huge gamble on Han's part because what if Woody Harrelson was telling the truth and Beckett wasn't coming back? This whole plan would have failed, right? Mm. So it's a massive gamble. It's a Han Solo gamble. Never tell me the odds. Exactly. Exactly. Never tell me the odds. Yeah, it was. Um, It was. It was a super cool thing. And then I also loved when. As soon as Woody left the room, when um, Han like bolted across to grab the blaster, and you had him squaring off with Dryden, and then Kira was there, but like you didn't know what she was gonna do, and that was mm-hmm. a really interesting element to it because if she if she aligned herself with Han like straight up, the two of them versus him would win like pretty easily, but it just became this like weird thing, and then. Han got, like, neutralized for the time being, and then she jumped into the fight, and they had, like, a sword fight and stuff. Um, mm. She just... destroys Beckett. Yeah, she's... Or super... not Beckett, sorry. Um, uh, Dryden. Boss. Yeah. 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 yeah was... I think he's great. Paul, like, that's a good scene, because, like, Paul Bettany's a great actor. Like, Woody Harrelson's Fantastic. a great actor. And, and just to see them two, like, just be fucking ham it up as, like, villains almost, like, it was just really good. So, I, I love yeah, that the was way... Everybody, when talking to like Paul Bettany, properly embodied that like evil school principal thing of like, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm in charge here, and like I could just kill you, but I'm gonna pretend that I'm pleasant, and you're going to tell me the thing you're gonna do for me, and you're also gonna like it because if you give me any attitude, I will literally murder you, and it's just, yeah. it's so like. It, 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 there's so much like psychopathy and evil and the, just the, you know it's it's the social contract between a student and a school principal basically of mm-hmm. like this fake respect that you have to yeah. show that's born out of fear and um paul bettany did a great job of like overseeing that role i think and uh it was really like kind of uh, disconcerting Every time they mm-hmm. also the one weird bit was like that Chewie just went with um uh Woody Beckett. Harrison like Beckett yeah. like at no point did like Chewie fight and I thought like that's not a particularly Wookiee thing I would have thought like Chewie would have put up a fight to like I don't know if throughout Star Wars that like, you get the impression that Chewbacca like kind of puts up a fight like he doesn't like yeah he didn't mm. even want to have his hands in cuffs in a new hope yeah when they went to the thing like he and he exactly. didn't like like the nuances of that plan were completely lost on the fact that he's a big hairy idiot dog yeah i thought something was gonna happen that was bad in this because they pulled the same thing during the kessel run mm. and i thought he was gonna have like a bad reaction to it or like something bad was gonna happen and then that's why in the new hope he doesn't want to be put in the handcuffs because he knows this plan and yeah, 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 yeah. 
before. I mean, it, w- it would have been an awesome scene if like Han catches up with like Tobias Beckett and Chewie later on, and like Tobias Beckett's in half, and like Chewbacca's just ripped him in half. Like he just <laughs> he's just like he's had enough. He's just, like I'm not following him or whatever. Pulling the arms like, off okay. of the dark. I forgot yeah, actually that, that was we, a great scene in the castle run too. We also learned that Chewbacca eats people. <laughs> That's not one of the yeah, takeaways from this movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lando may fuck his droid and Chewbacca eats people. Yeah. yeah. The whole universe is just it's blown wide open here, you know. Anything yeah. is possible in these in these new standalone movies. I mean, who knows what'll happen in the Boba Fett movie? I mean, you know. I'm I'm hyped for that movie because um I loved Logan. It's basically the best superhero movie ever and um a Boba Fett version of that would be sensational. But um right. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, where were we? We'd, have we got to the point where she kills him yet? Yeah, yeah. She, like, I thought he was gonna actually in the fight with Solo. Um, it's gonna be like that Indiana Jones thing where like they show how he gets the scar on his lip because Harrison Ford has that scar on his on his lower lip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I was thinking back and I'm thinking, did he have that scar when he was filming A New Hope or did that happen later? It might have yeah, happened. I think, yeah, I think it did. Like, I, I, It probably happened between Empire and Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, I don't quite know the time frame. Like, he, did they do Empire like 1980 and then Indiana Jones was like 82 or something? Like, he probably did it more around that time, maybe. Because he was more really fresh-faced, like, in A New Hope. In A New Hope, he is. And then by the time he's, like, in J.R. Jones, he's kind of rugged-looking. Like, in those three years, like, Harrison Ford has seen some shit. Like, I don't know what he's... He's bought some planes, and he's crashed. I don't know, though. Indiana Jones... uh, Actually, no, yeah, the first Indiana Jones movie, um, that was probably peak Harrison Ford handsomeness. Oh, of course, yeah, for sure. Like, when he's, like, the... um, do we really? Should we just talk about how handsome Harrison Ford is? Harrison um, Ford is literally one of my. So rotating people. segment. Harrison Ford is hot. Yeah. <laughs> he's but he's also the he, Harrison Ford is who we all wish that we were. Yeah, there's the scene in like Five Hundred Days of Summer, which is uh, a movie that I enjoy. But yeah. there's a scene where <laughs> I know the scene you're talking Joseph, about. Joseph Gordon Joseph yeah sees himself as Han Solo. Um, as like that's like as at, at his most confident moment when yeah. he he sees himself as Han Solo, which is kind of what we all do, I think. Like, but not just Han Solo, like Harrison Ford, really. Like either Indiana Jones or Han Solo, like are just what most men I think aspire to be. Really. Yeah, but in the in the reality is we're all a bunch of whiny little orphan farm boys. <laughs> <laughs> we're all really Luke. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, like, I certainly he am. stayed on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I'm, basically I'm actually I... more John Favreau's character, Rio. That's who I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've got kind four hours. dies in the first 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, but that didn't happen. So uh, the fight was cool. Mm-hmm. She kills uh, Dryden Voss, which was great. Yeah. Um, and then her whole thing is like. Yeah, go. I'm right behind you, and you know she's not yeah. going to. And you can see like Han Solo. I don't know. It's just like that. That was like a little bit heartbreaking. Like knowing that for that moment, he's like kind of a little bit confused. But he's like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll go save Chewie. She's like, yeah, go. He needs you. And like I was like, is she gonna blow up the ship with her on it? Because she knows that like she can't get away from Crimson Dawn. Yeah, I thought that's what she might do. Yeah. Same, yeah. What's gonna happen? And then we get one of the most divisive things about this movie. Which really? is something that I freaking loved. Me too. But that's because I was a huge fan of uh, the later Clone Wars uh, stuff and a massive fan of Star Wars Rebels. 
where we see that like and we'll just say what it is it was it was Darth Maul oh that's the who that was. no just kidding yeah um, yeah and um, I'm a huge fan of a Phantom Menace <laughs> seen it nine times um, in the cinema so, yes I, I mean but I I haven't seen the animated uh, shows and uh, in my head when I was watching I was with my mate who's a big Star Wars fan and uh, like I turned to him and was like. I think I made this face like whoa, but then I was like confused because I was doing like weird mental math in my mind. Like, mm. does this take place before Phantom Menace? Yeah. And then in my mind, I was like, that can't possibly be true because then Hannah'd be like seventy by the time a New Hope came around. And then I was like, I don't know where this is. And then he was like, afterwards, he was like, oh no, he had like, did you notice his metal legs? This is from like Rebels and Clone Wars. Like, this, this is that's the stuff. Also, they that is canon now. Like apparently, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, that makes sense. That Darth makes more Maul sense than po- Han being 75 by the time of New Hope. <laughs> Darth Maul in the animated series is fucking cool. Like, he's just... It's awesome, like, how tortured and tormented he is. He's actually not Darth Maul anymore. He's just Maul. Um, because the, the like the betrayal of, of Lord Sidious. Um, but it's it's really well done and especially in rebels where it explores his kind of ambiguous motivations for what's happening uh this this is like a little bit spoilers for rebels um and i really think l you should watch rebels at the very least i've watched bits Um, of it but but dude there is a face-off between old obi-wan like uh and darth maul on tatooine and it is one of the coolest Star Wars moments I've ever seen, and it's in the animated show. It's so good. The first season of Rebels is a little bit more rough because, very much like Clone Wars, the first couple seasons are really rough because in the Clone Wars, Ahsoka is young in those seasons, and later she gets older, and when she gets older, she becomes less annoying uh, to the point where Ahsoka is actually one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Um, and the same with uh, with uh, in Rebels. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now, the the kid from Rebels. Um, but he ends up being Ezra. He ends up being uh, actually like a pretty solid character by even like the second season. He's a lot better, uh, and especially by the third season. So, I really good. I mean, I don't know whether like it's a good thing that the Rebel, uh, the animated, because obviously me and Ella primarily like. Star Wars movie nerds, like we yeah. don't really watch the other stuff. Like, don't read the comics, don't read the like the, play, the play books Dark they release. Places one and two. <laughs> but, uh... That's true. I did play the pod racing game for the N sixty four back in the day, and now that was that was pod racing. That was pod racing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... I don't know whether like it's a good thing that like because I, I was I was very lost in that moment. I was like, I, it's cool to see Darth Maul. That's why I think he's... it's divisive. Yeah, no, I agree. For, yeah, um, the second, yeah. I was I was sitting with my brother, and my brother and I are were huge Rebels fans. Uh, he was actually the one who convinced me to go back and give Clone Wars a second chance because I had given up on it. Like I watched a couple episodes, I was like, no way, I'm watching this garbage. Um, but uh, the the thing was that as soon as that hologram came up. And it panned around, and it was a hooded figure, and I was like, okay, there's no way this is Sidious, and that's not the right voice anyway. And then I saw the the legs, and I saw the metal legs, and before anything was revealed, I turned to my brother, and I was like, metal legs. And my brother looked at me, and he was like, Maul? And it is Darth Maul. He pulls the hood down, and he has the saber from Rebels. So seeing that crossover from the animated series to the... Um, to the the larger cinematic universe, 
for me and my brother was like this is freaking cool because yeah, yeah, so yeah. cool in that and at the same time i'm sitting there thinking like this is a really bad business decision <laughs> yeah because i mean it's it, it is a bit like the like we talked earlier with the comic books and marvel movies like you're uh, allowing the comic readers to be like oh this is super cool and the movie goers are like, kind of blanking to it because i don't really know what's going on whereas it's kind of that to this, isn't it? Like those things have become canon now, and, the and so. Scene, but not post credits. Yeah, exactly. It felt like a post credit scene. It did. Yeah. Um, was it Ray Spider- Park? Does anyone know? Was it Ray Park? Re- no, no, no. It, it's. Uh, is it Ray Park doing? I think it, it is, but it wasn't Peter Serafinowicz doing the voice. I think it was somebody else. It's the guy from Rebels doing the voice. Oh, okay. Because no. he does the voice of like older uh, Maul. Um, right. So it was the same voice from Rebels. Hmm. I, I do think it was Park. Park. It was weird that he ignited his lightsaber, though. I <laughs> thought that was... Really, uh, I thought it was unfortunate, because he didn't have to do that. Like, we all yeah. thought that it was... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so. we got, yeah, we understood that it was Darth Maul. Like, he's he's alone somewhere, just igniting a lightsaber in a room where no one is. Like, I, I thought it would have been... <laughs> cool actually had, so fucking weird. <laughs> he had to ignite it. I would have thought it was, like, a lot cooler if, like... Because he didn't break eye contact with her when he ignited it. That was the weird bit. Like, if he had yeah. ignited it and then, like, looked up the blade and, like, trailed his finger up the blade and did something, like, neat like that, where he's, like, very, like, villainous or, or something like that, that would have been it. cooler. But <laughs> yeah. he didn't. He just, like, ignited it and kind of showed it to her. And then. <laughs> yeah, like, look what I've got. Before, bro, put it away. Just like. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I, don't know. I think that was very cool, but yeah, very confusing at the same time. Yeah, jeez, I didn't yeah. even I think of that. I don't know. It, it, it was it was neat. I think it's Elden Ehrenreich lets slip that he's signed on for more movies. We'll see if they happen now with the way that this one performed. But if they do more movies, there is the chance for Maul to explain. Like these become like the Darth Maul movies, also. Um, where, just a quick question like where does it take place in the timeline like because obi-wan is uh, like how far away from new hope is this like and all that stuff like where so this is before uh i think this is set before star wars rebel or no it should be around this it might be a little bit before star wars rebels starts right uh right. in the timeline so i mean if they uh, make an obi-wan movie it, they could all tie it together presumably maybe i don't know uh, I doubt that they show the Darth Maul scene in the Obi Wan movie, right? Because that's, I mean, like, it's, it already exists. You want me to spoil it for you? Like, that's weird. I mean, you can I'm never gonna watch the animated series. I have way too much TV to watch as is. Like, I'm not. And gonna... I would tell you to just watch that episode, but okay. you, I, you can't because like you need to understand what Darth Maul's motivations for being there are and why he's there. And mm-hmm. you need to watch like at least like three seasons of Rebels. He's to, trying, to... I'm gonna just guess that he's trying to get away from Lando, who wants to fuck yeah. his legs. <laughs> because they've got like a swag about them. You know? yeah, uh, it's it's so good. It's so good. I can't even make fun of it. Like I, I thought Rebels was fantastic. Like Rebels is really really good. Um, in fact, if you want to just skip the first season of Rebels and watch from there, it's really there's very few. Uh, Clone Wars had this problem where they had episodes that were like really throwaway, like oh god, why did they do an episode all about the droids kind of thing. Um, but uh, where it's just C three PO and R two D two episodes is horrible. I would skip those honestly. But uh, Rebels gets really good, and the last two seasons of Rebels are actually really dark. Uh, um, yeah. What's his face? Uh, the the blue guy that everybody likes. 
Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn shows up. I was going to say Boss Ness. <laughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn shows up, so he's canon again because of Rebels, and he's freaking awesome. Um, it's it's really well done. It's really well done. It's actually. Uh, uh, so who is Darth Maul then? Like in this, he's the he's he's now assumed he's always been the like Dryden Voss was th- thought he was in charge of Crimson Dawn or something. Oh no, he's not in charge. Of, that's the reveal. Is that? Dryden Voss, because Dryden Voss does say in the movie like who he he's like you know who I answer he to. He answers to someone too, yeah. Uh, right, okay. And that's what and I was saying earlier. Is that, like Amelia yeah. Clark's character, uh, Kira, um, like knows who's actually in charge, and she's obviously he, like Darth Maul knows who she is, and so she's obviously had communication with him before, uh, and so it's very much like, and because of the way that Darth Maul is, especially in Rebels, like whether or not this is like I'm sure this is fine with Maul like he doesn't care that uh Dryden Voss is dead like that's that that seems very like in his playbook for something that like he's fine with like maybe that was the plan all along for Dryden Voss to be taken out of the picture and Kira would take control so that Darth Maul has like a puppet but I don't know it it seems very cool it plays into her motivations like why she's so why she's like I can't leave because she mm. knows who's in charge, and to like to her and to the people in Crimson Dawn, like this is the most powerful uh, being that they've come in direct contact with. Because like at this point, like Darth Vader hasn't necessarily been like revealed to like he, he he wasn't necessarily the face of the Empire. Like some soldiers hadn't even seen Darth Vader in the Empire. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was it was an interesting um, uh, it was an interesting thing. Like I, I definitely wasn't expecting to ever see him again, and no, I don't really think that Ray Park has the chops to like Ray Ray Park is a stuntman. Yeah, um, I really hope he's not going to like. It's really harsh to say because I think the dude has like not like he only works as a stuntman really in the, in the movies mm-hmm. that he's in. I mean, he was Toad in X Men. Yeah, he was, it was a really good performance. He was Toad in X Men, <laughs> and he said one thing in the whole movie, and I think it was "Quit playing around." At the, yeah. the and in the Phantom Menace, obviously, there's very little dialogue as well. But um, he seems well, to be okay. he's, he's not he, doing the voice. He's not, yeah, he's not doing, doing his voice. own voice. <laughs> yeah, Peter Serafinowicz did the voice, and even then, it wasn't a lot. Like <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think it would be interesting to see where they go with that, like, if they do make a, another one. Um, I kind of hope they do, because yeah. that was, like, that was fun. Like, that was a wild Isn't it was really, like, weirdly disappointing, like, to, to be like, I never wanted this movie to exist, and now I'm kind of bummed that they might not make a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird position to be in. It, it is. is weird that, like, it, it, I'm... Like, Last Jedi didn't disappoint me, but there were moments that did disappoint me if that makes sense whereas this at no point did i think it was disappointing in fact because my expectations were so low it like elevated uh any expectations that i had to a point where i like i, I enjoyed the movie like yeah everything about it really um i mean it wasn't like it wasn't it's not fantastic it's not movie. great it's just no but it's solidly it, good yeah exactly and ron howard is a great director so disappointed with i don't know if they yeah, if um, they make a land if they make a movie and have donald glover as the main guy uh, and have it centered around Lando, it will explode at the box office. I have no doubt about that. But they need to. Well, strike... like, what if it's a trilogy, right? Where it's like, yeah, the the Han movie, the Lando movie, and then some other character that we're in, Chewbacca. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be. I mean, they do need to have more Lando Shoot and Han together. It doesn't make much sense. <laughs> it does. It doesn't make much sense. Come Empire Strikes Back, why Han and like Lando are so like. Um, I don't know because what they do in this movie to me doesn't warrant. Assuming it's like ten years later, they meet up ten years later after this one thing has happened. Mm. It's weird to me that they're as sort of like. You know, he says that line like after what you pulled, and it's like, I mean, did he? What did he do, really? Like, I, I love uh, when Han pulled the card out of his hand when Lando yeah. goes, "I hate you." <laughs> that was yeah. so good, such great delivery. <laughs> it was good. For the I, record, I, I thought they played well together. I'm, I'm trying. I, I just want to let everybody know that I don't hate Donald Glover as the actor. I think he's a really good actor. I just don't really like his music. So. I mean, you know, that's mm. yeah. You might have to put that into the intro to the episode. <laughs> yeah, people, people uh, don't stuff. Like in this episode, I say a controversial thing about Donald Glover. Please disregard. <laughs> I later. Uh, he yeah. is in fact a great actor, and, uh, and don't even, stop listening when I say an something. Even better stupid. person. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we think this ranks? Like in terms of the. Um, how many movies have there been? Ten movies? I'd say it's just beneath The Phantom Rope. Menace for me. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> well, in terms of order. I think in terms of order, it's definitely in fourth. Yeah. <laughs> in actual order, um, I guess, is it? Yeah. Yeah, because then, uh, um, what's it called? Rogue One would be fifth. Yeah, and then New Hope, sixth. It's yeah. very confusing at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... Uh... I don't know. Empire's top for me. Uh, Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, and I, I just thought Rogue One had some really awesome moments. Yeah, it was, it was very Star Wars. But so it was weird. To, the Last Jedi, have... as disappointed as I found some moments of it, it had great Star Wars moments. I love the Last Jedi. So yeah, I know. come at me, haters. <laughs> no, it had great Star Wars moments. Like the the throne scene. Uh, is up there with some of the great Star Wars. Sensational. Yeah. Well. Um. <laughs> That's okay. I, I just go back to my thing about about breaking conventions not always necessarily uh, resulting uh, 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 story. It's a good moment. Like, I like the moment. I like watching it happen and being like, shit, that's awesome. But then when you think about the repercussions of that happening and what that means for the next movies and who's going to have to carry... Like, I... I'm sorry. He he can't be the main bad guy. He's not. He hasn't been set up to be the main bad guy. I think you can pull off that scene if it happened years later, but it happened immediately after Episode Seven. Character hasn't grown or changed at all to become the leader of the the First Order. I just think it's a it's a poor choice. So I, to me, that comes back down to what I was saying about like breaking conventions is fine and it can result in good moments, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it services the plot in a good way, in a positive. This way. is why when in Episode Nine. There'll be a hooded figure, and he'll unveil it, and it's Watto, and Watto <laughs> is the main bad guy of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think this is definitely better than any of the the prequels, uh, even though the prequel, like duel, the Duel of the Fates, is still a great Star Wars moment, but the rest of the movie is not good. Um, I I feel like yeah. I might change my Twitter bio to the Phantom Menace apologist. <laughs> I think 
and I get flack for this as well, but like I honestly think that the Phantom Menace is the most Star Warsy of all of the prequels. Yeah. You might not like the kid and everything, yeah. but out of the prequels, it's the one that feels the most like a Star Wars movie. That doesn't mean that it's a good movie, but it has more of that feeling to it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's way better than Attack of the Clones. Because people... Yeah, Attack of the Clones is the worst. That's the bottom yeah. of the list, for sure. We know where the bottom of the list is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a lot of people say uh, Revenge of the Sith was actually not bad, but I don't know. I can't get past the dialogue in that movie. And actually, like, the action sequences are overly long, overly core, like, they're overwrought. Like, it's it's too elaborate. I Like, I think the lightsaber combat is very pretty to look at, but it, the whole fight scene with Obi-Wan, yeah, you have, like, the emotion and everything, but it just, it drags a little bit for me. And uh, I feel like saying that the movie is serviceable just because of one epic fight scene is a little bit, like, eh. I don't know. I, um, and that also didn't feel like a Star Wars movie to me. Bringing it back to Solo, did they play Jewel of the Fates, the sound, the music, when Darth Maul was unveiled or not? I can't remember whether they did. I don't think so. I mean, I, yeah, I imagine, maybe I imagined it in my mind just maybe now. Maybe they like, did. I don't know. I don't know. In my head, I was like, did they? I think but, it says um, a lot about the soundtrack in this movie that we don't fucking know. Yeah. That's the true. only theme that I remember is... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Emphis Nest's theme. Mm. I know that John Williams wrote one theme for a character in this movie, and I'm really hoping it wasn't the Emphis Nest one because I want to be able to say, like, yeah, they they made a really memorable like character theme, and it wasn't John Williams. Yeah, just because I worry about the musical future of this of this franchise. Yeah, because John Williams is like 104 years old now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, where do we see it going in the future then? Like even without John Williams, like Star Wars in general, like after Episode Nine, do you think they'll continue they'll, making these standalone things, or they'll get Hans Zimmer in? And well, all of so the... we know they are because we know that Ryan Johnson. And as much as I really didn't like the Last Jedi, I think if Ryan Johnson has his own corner of the universe, that's fine. I feel like this movie made is going to make the least amount of money, Star Wars money, that any Star Wars movie has ever made money which is unfortunate yeah but. but then do you think after that the people would like kathleen kennedy or whoever is in charge of the decisions would be like well therefore it's is dumb. it a gamble then to give more star wars movies to ryan johnson is it a gamble to give you know i don't you know? think so i think the the issue is and this is what disney needs to get through their stupid heads is uh this Han Solo movie did poorly because nobody wanted it. Not because it's a bad movie, but because nobody wanted it. And they need to stop with that. Like, the Ryan Johnson thing is nice that they announced that, but right after this failed at the box office, they're announcing a Boba Fett movie? No. No. I know people think they want a Boba Fett movie, but you can't run... Like, Boba Fett is a villain. He's a morally amb- is he morally ambiguous? We don't know. We don't know anything about him. But the second you give this kind of like young Boba Fett, like, and it's gonna ruin any mystery that character has. The only way to make a good Boba Fett film is if he, if it's a predator movie. If your main character is not Boba Fett, and Boba Fett is hunting the main character down. I mean, they've done a good job so far. Like Rogue One was like bridge over the river Kwai or whatever like it was an old-fashioned war movie and yeah. in the style of and this is obviously a harp to old like westerns like true grit or whatever like about yeah. a kid um so um 
I mean, if they take a, a story um, and then stick it to a genre, yeah, you're right. They could do a Boba Fett and be like, it's a very. We could go with it. Like, problem is they I, won't. I go think it needs to be horror. a Predator movie. Yeah, I, feel I don't like think Disney will go horror style. You know, they won't go. I don't the think other, they'll go that route. But the yeah. other pitch, and I'm glad this is finally getting out there because I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, uh, my brother and I were talking about like how they would do a Boba Fett film because we both really like Boba Fett, but we think it's a stupid idea. Uh, one of the things that we were discussing was, was, and this was his idea, was if you have a movie and it's not called Boba Fett, it's called something different, and it follows. It, unfortunately, it would be another heist movie, and I just don't think we can do another Star Wars heist movie because we've had two in a row now. Um, but as far as the standalones go, but you have this movie following these characters, and the whole time they're going after this big score, and stuff keeps going wrong, and by the end of it, their their crew is dwindled down to just like a few people. They're finally in the location, and one of the crew members, who's probably been the cool crew member the whole time, turns on both of them kills them uh and it turns out that the score the entire time was a MacGuffin, and what the guy was really after was mandalorian armor puts it on and that guy that you've been watching that has been the the badass character the entire time was actually boba fett and getting the crew together to get this score he didn't care about the score he just wanted is the armor and it's not actually the boba fett that we know from the prequels it's somebody who's taken that mandalorian armor and that's the boba fett that we meet later on that would be awesome <laughs> that, that like, would it, be it cool, turns out yeah. to be like a reveal at the end it's like oh shit this was a boba fett movie the entire time and we didn't know I'd, I'd and he like kills it. everybody he kills the whole crew they should do one where there's four people trapped in an elevator and one of them is boba fett <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> And you have to figure out which one it is. The other ones are Phil Collins. Yeah, <laughs> the other ones are Phil. Yeah, and there's one Chris I Martin. Collins is... <laughs> Chris Martin is Boba Fett. That's a movie that would get people to root for Boba Fett for sure. I think that's the movie that would get people to not hate Chris Martin as much. I think that's a movie that would get that would kill Star Wars. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I just don't. I think it would be really hard to do a Boba Fett film and have it succeed. Um, I think yeah. Obi-Wan is the clear one. Just like, get Ewan McGregor, make the Obi-Wan film, and have that be the last of the throwback films that mm. you do, and then the rest of the new stuff for the expanded universe has to be like what they're giving to Ryan Johnson. Like, Get a director, get them to explore some unexplored part of the galaxy, some unexplored time in the galaxy, right? And yeah. And do that. Like, we still haven't gotten... Like, how awesome would it be to get, like, Mandalore, a Star Wars story? I'd like to see... I think they... Sorry, you go. I was just gonna say, I'd like to see an Ewok origin story. Or maybe, like, like they're all inside a claw machine, and there's a claw... I don't don't fucking know. It was lazily Um, thought out. (laughs) uh, um, I do think they should have, like, they've kind of wasted James Mangold on the Boba Fett movie because he could have done an awesome Obi-Wan Kenobi one last job Liam Neeson style like I'm doing this like I don't really want to do it but I, you know they've, they've called me out of retirement you know what the you know? awesome thing is about an Obi-Wan movie is that we might get a Qui-Gon force ghost mm, we certainly will that, that will definitely happen at some point because I mean, he's no come question. back for Rebels yeah like sorry for Clone Wars and for Rebels, I think, actually. No, 
Yes, no, 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 just for Clone Wars. Um, so Liam Neeson has said publicly that if he had read the script for episode one before he signed on, he wouldn't have done it. He just said yes because it was a Star Wars movie. That sounds like bullshit, though. Like, it does. this guy is in some fucking terrible films. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's also, like, quite a limited I don't care actor. I, like, I don't know. I think that that's him doing that thing that actors do when they pick a bad Liam Neeson's role. also apparently kind of a dick. So. Yeah, yeah. He makes uh, a lot of I don't lists. mind. But honestly, uh, having a an Obi-Wan film that's like the like a like a the lone knight in the yeah. in, uh, like dealing with probably honestly Crimson Dawn uh in the uh in, in Tatooine and like dealing with like a feud between Crimson Dawn and the Huts and it's all just to make sure that Luke is safe and we don't I would even take, really see I, yeah I would take a dread style movie where Luke is a little kid and they they're after him for some reason I don't know why and he's in like a tower block and everyone with his lightsaber like he's just taking on fuckloads of drug dealers like but well, that's not happening <laughs> Uh, there's no I know, I, obviously. He does a uh, line of spice you know he's and there. just cuts everyone to pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a line of yeah. spice and then goes. It would be really cool. You cockroaches want to play rough? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also the suspicion that J.J. Uh, Abrams. So it's been kind of leaked out that J.J. Abrams and uh, Lawrence Kasdan's intent for Ray's parentage was different than what happened in the Last Jedi. That's and that they might. True. They might alter things so that what Kylo said was actually a lie, um, which makes sense. That would play well with Kylo's character for him to just be like lying to her to try to get in like a desperate attempt to get her on his side. Yeah. But it does seem like the original intent was to have her as some sort of relation to Obi-Wan. Yeah. Uh, like a granddaughter or something. So if we get an Obi-Wan movie and for whatever reason he ends up getting pulled off world to do something even though he like he wouldn't normally go off world um and it has to do with there, there's somebody involved and he ends up you know in a in because he's not really a jedi anymore um there there i don't know i think there's room to play around there and do something so if that happens but we're not going to get that before episode nine so no yeah i mean so, i know one romantic comedy is what you're talking about right no no no, no. <laughs> although <laughs> I just like Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor uh, is one of the best actors around. Oh, man. Did you see him in, um, oh, my God, in Fargo? No, actually, I didn't. Oh, I think you've said this to me before, actually. No, I never did. He plays, he plays two characters in Fargo. They're twins, twin brothers, and oh, they're wow. completely different characters, and it's so freaking well done. Nice. Like, you can't even, like, it took me a, a minute to realize that they were both him. Um, so... I don't know. I, I think he's a fantastic actor. I think that's a no-brainer. Do that movie. Stop doing throwbacks after that and start doing like original stories in different parts of the universe. But that's that's just me. They're apparently. doing a, a live-action TV series, too. I'm excited for that. I'm honestly, at this point, maybe more excited for that than... We've seen with Game of Thrones and like other premium television series mm-hmm. the potential for TV to tell better, more fleshed-out stories. TV shows are the new books. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. It's it's really interesting what's happening with that. Yeah, the 12-episode series on Netflix or HBO or... Just give me 10 episodes of a a really tight, 
Star yeah. Wars story with a lot of character development, a lot of dialogue, and you have your action. Like you have your episodes that are like a lot of dialogue and exposition, but then you have your episodes that are like a lot of action. You know, like give me give me something like that, and I think that ultimately, especially with uh, Disney's new streaming service, like this could end up being like a like a huge cash cow for them. Do you guys to... watch The Expanse? I've heard. Uh, no. it's okay. It's 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 really good. Sorry, I, I cut you off, Santiago. I was just thinking that's no, a that's really good. good TV show space opera that has like it's really really fleshed out. Like, um, it's it there's it takes place in this huge like political spectrum where everything is really complicated, but they don't go on mm. about trade federations and stuff. Like, it's, just, it's very good. It's a world that exists and it, and it's hey, really in the ventilation shafts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, I I think that like this. Obviously, that show has been cancelled, which is one of just the greatest injustices in the world. But um, yeah, well, they bought it back. Who bought it back? Somebody bought it back, didn't they? Uh, they it got cancelled off Sci-Fi anyway. But yeah, like I mean, What's the Netflix one that just came out that's very Blade Runner like. Is that um, Altered Carbon? Yeah, yeah, Old Carbon. Yeah, I watched the first episode of that and I was pleasantly drawn in. Mm-hmm. But I haven't gone back to watch another episode, which tells you something. So. Yeah, I, I watched sev- the first seven minutes of the first episode, and I really enjoyed it, but I also haven't gone back to watch the remaining. The problem is there's too much good stuff on TV. There's way too much yeah. good stuff. Uh, it's, it's actually stressful. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know. I think like premium television has gotten to a point where it's like, um, even, uh, I, I know I've talked about this on the show before, I th- I'm pretty sure anyway, but uh, Black Sails, really terrible first season. Uh, but the rest of the seasons got progressively better and better and better. That's the prequel to um, um, Treasure Island. Oh, cool. I haven't seen that. I haven't even heard it's, of that. It's badass. It's like real pirate shit, uh, but with fictional characters tied in with real characters. Uh, it's it's really well done. But And then you have like American Gods, really well done also. Like I, I think the storytelling potential in... in TV is becoming stronger than in in films. Oh, I, I think it. I think without a doubt, it is stronger, and I don't even think there's an argument to be had for. I think because that uh, um, that area of um, storytelling in movies, these sort of like they don't exist anymore. Really, like, um, well, they do, but they they're not given the same amount of money that the blockbusters are given, and. So there's an area in movies that just don't exist in the, anymore, and that's just gone to television, hasn't it? Like you yeah. get the independent movies that, you know, they do well, they do well at like awards or whatever. And what if you got uh, an Obi One movie that was almost like a man with no name movie? Yeah, yeah. I I think that it would be impressive if they managed to fuck up the Obi One movie. To be fair, I I, I just think it's going to be good, regardless of whatever they do with it. Because I think Ewan McGregor is fantastic, and I think regardless, he said of... multiple times he wants to do it. Yeah, exactly, and like publicly, I I trust Disney, like I really do. I know that you don't trust them so much, but I just Not I don't more. think they could get that wrong. I mean, I, I trust them ten. I trust more trust them like than George Lucas. Like George had yes. thirty years to prep us for Phantom Menace, and then he came back with like political stuff in Phantom Menace, and you're like, George, come on. We've waited yeah. a while for this. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been waiting, and you give us this trade federation shit. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell you a story about trades, and we're like, oh, God, George, why? No, mate. <laughs> so, so there's a there's a blockade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
My vision for the blockade. <laughs> oh, God. I was driving yeah. through a toll booth. And... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what? So what? What are we? What are we going to give this movie in terms of a rating out of ten? I think it's a. I think it's the most solid seven. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like right in the seven. As for, I mean, I'm going to say this again. Rating is like Star Wars movies because I have and I've said it before. Like Star Wars movies are awesome, and if you rate them against like other similar things, they rate really highly. But in the grand scheme of things, even Empire Strikes Back is probably like a seven point five. Yeah. It's like right, compared right. to. Oh all yeah, it's it's not it's not a good fellas. Like yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like we're not talking The Godfather. Right, like, it, it, or, or like, anywhere near best picture quality, anything. Like, these movies are popcorn flicks, and they're fun, like science—not even science fiction, science fantasy kind of. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, they're they're western space opera, science fantasies in space. Uh, and I don't know, like, I think within Star Wars movies, this is a, this is about a seven. Like, it's solidly good, but it's not. It doesn't stand out. You know, I I would. I would even be okay. like if somebody gave this a six point five, I'd be fine as long as their ratings for the prequels were significantly lower. Mm, yeah, mm. I feel like it is a seven though. I think it's yeah, I think it's a seven. Like it's 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 hovering on a seven point two on IMDb, and I think that's about right. Yep. And I think honestly, like people should see the movie. Like it, it like it's a good movie. It's a good yep. popcorn. Go to the cinema, see this movie. It it's good. Um, you know, these, this is what going to the cinema is about, seeing these type of movies. Like, I've gone to the cinema and seen, like, Justice League and other such movies, and they're just not that fun. Like, this exactly. was fun. You to know, piggyback so. on what you're saying, Moore, honestly, like, think about how much money the Transformer movies have made, even domestically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, go see this movie. This is way better than a lot of the horseshit that you shovel down your throat every, you know, couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. You fucking. It's not rights. amazing, <laughs> but yeah. like, I don't know. Like, we can go see bad movies a lot of times. Like, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. This is this is even on its own right. If you have never seen a Star Wars movie, you would enjoy this movie. It's really good. Venom yeah. is gonna have a better opening weekend than this, and that's sad because I'm sure this is gonna be a way better movie than Venom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. I might eat my words, and I'd be happy to, because I like Venom. But like, and Venom isn't gonna have a Bosk shout out in the middle of the movie, and this true. did. So for that's any true. other reason than to get a Bosk shout out in the middle of the movie, he should go see this. You like yeah. Bosk? If you like Bosk, and everyone does, yeah. the great, the greatest space lizard that existed. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, hands down. Yeah. Han, uh, Hans down. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. There you go. I, th- I know that terrible. Now. Yeah, <laughs> there's really nothing <laughs> we can do after that. So, um, yeah, I think we're done. Um, check out Solo, a Star Wars story in all good bookstores. Please yeah. do. Really, like it. It deserves better than it's getting. Yeah. In terms of like money at the box your, office. Your empire needs you. <laughs> do you think actually part of it has to do with it coming out in May? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't go, like, me and Lucemore didn't go see it, and usually me and Lucemore are, like, straight into the DMs, like, two hours after this movie's been released, and it's just... And it's we're just... also, like, most of the time we're like, are you going to see it again? Yeah, I'm going to see it again yeah, on Thursday. And, and like, we're, so then we're like, are you going to see it for a third time? Yeah, I'm going to go see it for a third time. But with I this, think... I'm just like, have you seen it yet? No. Yeah. Mm. 
I feel like Disney has been weird and like Lucasfilm specifically has been weirdly tone deaf when it comes to certain things that fans have been voicing in terms of like concerns or ideas or anything like that. And I don't mean like I think the the idea of like the people being disappointed in The Last Jedi because it didn't uh, follow like any of the YouTube theory bullshit. Like, I I think that's a shitty excuse for people being upset. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. you know, like people aren't upset because of that. Yeah. But the one of the things that people have been saying since since actually um, uh, what's it called? Uh, episode seven is that December is actually a really nice time for these movies to come out. I think it's been universally really liked by fans that start having Star Wars movies in December. And they've been trying to pull it back to May because that's when Star Wars movies have traditionally released. Right. Mm, yeah. But screw that. Like ignore that like why why bring it back to may you've been killing december like nothing also, else the casual, the releases casual move. December. sorry keep going oh no 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 that's your no go go with it you're saying um the casual movie fan like i think you know if they've gone to see avengers infinity war and then they've gone to see deadpool 2 is there a great need for them to also go see solo like just if they don't care about star wars i mean we care about Talk Star Wars, and we didn't even go. You know, Talk about mean, shooting so. yourself in the foot. Yeah. I agree completely. That's like a huge. It reminds me of like if you're into video games. It reminds me of when um, uh, what's it called? Uh, EA put out what's the robot game that they have? Um, it was like an Xbox One exclusive when it first came out. Oh, ti- um, Titan. Titanfall. Oh, Titan Titanfall. Yeah. When Titanfall Two came out. It was universally uh, acclaimed for having actually a good story and really solid gameplay, but they put it out at the same time as Battlefield, and they put it out at the same time as Call of Duty. Yeah. Like they all three games came out in the same window, and it got crushed. And it's like I, I, don't, I honestly think it's a, like a very similar thing. It's like you put out this movie, like Disney put out uh, Infinity War, and they put this out like right after. It seems like such a dumb idea. Yeah, it's really yeah. stupid. Yeah. Like spread them out. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I know, they, like, they is episode back. nine coming out this December? No, no, next year. No, twenty nineteen. Yeah. So, so like, now we have a year without, like, we we have like the a weird months. amount of time. Yeah. This is gonna yeah. be the longest. Yeah, I mean, I we've think that's gone. a good thing. I mean, you know, I don't know. But. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think it is a good thing in the sense that, like. Like and I'm one of the biggest Star Wars fans that I know in in terms of how excited I get for these movies and stuff. But like, yeah. I'm pretty jaded by Star Wars stuff, and that's a really bad sign because I was one of the people saying I don't give a shit, man. Put this in Disney's hands, give them a new movie every year, and I will eat that yeah. up. But like, and you and you liked Last Jedi. Yeah, exactly. What did I, that say about like people who didn't like Last yeah, Jedi and how yeah. they're feeling? Because exactly. like, I was really not hyped until like the day that i went to see it i was hyped but yeah I, I, dude i was barely even i saw it today <laughs> i literally saw yeah. it a few hours ago and like oh yeah, yeah. uh, well I've, I've i've yeah no there's probably another reason why i wasn't hyped but it's something else but like i don't know just the movie itself i don't know it just didn't yeah it's weird I, I think i think it's partly to do with the promotion but then at the same time i'm one of those people that actually avoids all the trailers so i didn't even watch them anyway i watched the one the really quick teaser one with the train heist yeah and, uh, and that mm-hmm. was it so I, I it seems know. like a perfect storm right like you've got the movie that nobody asked for that nobody wanted 
um, you're releasing it right after some really amazing stuff at a time frame that people haven't gotten used to. People got used to the cadence of Star Wars films in December. Yeah. Episode 7, Rogue One, and The Last Jedi in December, and now you're releasing a random May movie. It reeks of this isn't a mainline Star Wars film. Because mm-hmm. even Rogue One did gangbusters. Um, yeah, it reeks of we don't care about this one yeah, as we much do, we as don't, the others. Which is, so therefore, exactly. why should you? Like, it's almost yeah. like, yeah. But, yeah. And then, I don't know, like a, a bunch of, like Alden Ehrenreich, the, all of the problem, the very public problems with the uh, filming of the movie. Like, it's just like, why? You haven't given anyone any reason to go see this movie. Alden Ehrenreich. I thought my joke was bad. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Are you bailing? All right. Will we leave it there, folks? All all right. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we just did the solo podcast in 12.83 parsecs, so that's some pretty good going. And also, I think the podcast is as long as the movie, so, you know. You can't go wrong there. No. Usually we do these and they're longer than the movies. I'm kind of glad that didn't happen because I'm sick of people pointing that out to me as if it's a bad thing. I think people like actually kind of like it. We've gotten a few comments on your Reddit that were like, ah, longer than the film. (laughs) It's like, what does that mean? Well, like our nerve review has like 25,000 views and that's like, the movie and then another half of the movie long (laughs) (laughs) it's good yeah alright well thanks for listening everybody Uh, we'll see you in a galaxy far far away a long time ago I thought you were right nice Uh, yeah I probably did I'll listen back (laughs)